My name's Rita Catoni and this is Kitchen Radio on 8CCC 102.1 FM in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek. Kitchen Radio is all about food, produce and eating here in Alice Springs and uh, beyond, not too far beyond Alice Springs, mind you. I'd like to welcome my guest today, Beck Cap. Hey, Beck. Hi, Rita. How are you? I am great. Beck is a queer curator, arts manager, photographer and artist living and working between Mabuntua and Andari where you're the manager, although maybe on parental loop. Yeah, I'm the co-manager now. Co-manager, yeah. okay, yeah, at, <laughs> at um, Hermansburg Potters. Beck's worked delivering many major arts projects and many art projects with First Nations artists, sorry, and with various arts organisations. Today we're going to talk about an exhibition that is the brainchild of Beck, which happened last night and this morning, which is the plating exhibition. And Beck, that was a pretty exciting night last night. I missed the eating. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. It was so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the the big reveal when you walked in and saw all the cakes, that was the that was probably the most yeah. exciting part. Maybe we could start off and you could just tell me what the actual plating exhibition is. So the exhibition that happened last night was a collaboration between 10 of Mbantua's chefs and 10 potters. Well, actually there was a 21, there was a third, 22 actually, there was a couple of last minute um, added collaborators with some of the artists. But yeah, the idea was that the pairs would work on a collaborative sculpture for Watch This Space's birthday and there was an element of, a cake element in all of the sculptures. So and then those sculptures were lit on during a performance of Happy Birthday and everyone ate the cakes afterwards. So, yeah, it was heaps of fun. I was amazed. <laughs> Picture there were a lot of happy punters there last night. Yeah, everyone was in such a good mood. It was, it was so great to see. It was a, it was a beautiful community event, I think. Yeah, it was yeah. really joyous, I have to say. It was just seeing, like, like food and, and art together is, is, was so lovely. Yeah, it was so creative, like... I was organising the project for the last few months and, you know, I was checking in with the artists and seeing some of the works in progress, but then when they came through the door, I just couldn't believe it. I was floored. Yeah. <laughs> the cakes and sculptures were outrageous. Yeah, and I should mention we actually got to do an interview with two of the artists yesterday, so we'll listen to that later on as mm-hmm. well. Beck, where did the idea come from? So I had my first child in October and that was probably the first time I've stopped working full-time since I arrived in Alice Springs five years ago and yeah I just was sitting on the couch a bit more than usual and was thinking about food a lot and uh, how how it brings me so much joy and how it's a huge creative outlet for me especially while I am an arts worker sometimes I feel a bit burnt out to think about visual art and and cooking has been a way to be creative for myself. I do dabble in other arts practices but yeah sometimes I struggle to find energy so I've been thinking about that a lot and I also do pottery and work at Hermansburg Potters and the amount of ceramicists in this town is is crazy Uh, they're per capita must be must be insane and like the the caliber of the work like uh, last year there was an exhibition called Clay on Country curated by um, Art Back and Tea and that was just incredible the showcase of work there so yeah, just connecting those two and then I was thinking about the art of plating and how chefs and, you know, all over the world spend 
an insane amount of creative energy <laughs> to make a beautiful plate of food that gets devoured in a minute. And how the plate often is just your, you know, standard table plate. Thinking about how those two could interact more and that's where plating came from. So responsive, responsive food and responsive plate together. And then, yeah, I pitched the idea to watch this space. They were like, oh... We are having a birthday celebrations in August. What about we make it cake? And I was like, brilliant. <laughs> the idea was very open initially and that was a way of bringing it sort of a bit more refined. And yeah. yeah. And what was the actual brief to the artists and the cooks or chefs? So it was essentially to create a cake and a sculptural plate that respond to each other and... That was left up to interpretation. Yeah, I was going to say, gee, that was uh, there was a lot of interpretation there last <laughs> yeah. night. Yeah, there was. Th- everyone came up with such different different things, and then the only other other real requirement was that it was food safe and that it could be on display for a couple of hours. So it wasn't like ice cream cake or something. Yeah, and to incorporate a candle. Yeah. Were there any challenges along the way? Absolutely, Lee probably had faced the worst challenge. Um, Is Lee one of the artists? Yeah, yeah. So they had a trophy cake and they were working with Diane from Children's Ground, who's a chef there, and Lee's trophy was uh, in the kiln last week and it was fired too hot. So the trophy melted essentially, but it still looked amazing. Okay. Yeah. Which one was that one? It was a football cake. Oh, I love the football cake I with know. Um, Earl Hayes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. actually one of my favourites. I mean, I really like Earl's work. I know Earl's work, but I have to say that was one of my favourites. Yeah, as so well. Diane yeah. made the cake. Earl made the little uh, oh, football so figures yeah. that were on top. Were they both Indigenous? I did Indigenous cook and an Indigenous artist there. Yeah, and then Lee um, is non-Indigenous. Okay, and they work with Diane at Children's Ground, and they made the trophy. And that was originally in collaboration with Diane, but all the. Um, drawing sort of melted off and that sort of thing so but it still looked impressive I think they turned it around yeah yeah fantastic so you like cooking yourself yeah I love cooking I'm obsessed with it (laughs) (laughs) I'm really interested in having a chat about this idea of food which you've um, mentioned so far um, because there is a lot of creativity in food but but this is a wonderful exhibition that actually puts those two together Mm -hmm. you know when I sort of started thinking about this I thought well you know there's this idea that you can you know paint food there's a lot of paint beautiful paintings of food but this kind of moves it one step further doesn't it yeah I think also it's like bringing actual food into the gallery not the first time it's ever been done for sure but it is just it's quite silly and and I think it just really connects people into the gallery space as well if I, I'm so familiar with that environment, but I know not everyone is and not everyone's comfortable, but just having a cake in there and all of a sudden everyone's laughing, you know, everyone's feeling welcome. I don't mm. know. It just really is something that everyone can relate to and it really opened up Watch This Space for, for everyone to just, you know, they, everyone gets it, everyone's there and they know it. and they know they're going to get to eat that food yeah. that's the other yeah. thing that, that was the bubble I kind of felt like it's not it's not like we're creating this beautiful you know perishable object and you're not going to be able to in any way engage with it like this is mm-hmm. something you can this is really this is art that you can completely engage with absolutely yeah and that was so so fun to know that they were like actually completely gone at the end of the night it was 
So there was nothing left? Pretty much nothing. Wow. Like people were still eating at, at like 9 pm and were packing up, grabbing the last bits and things. Was it a wild frenzy or did you have to control the eating of the artwork? It all just worked out. All the artists were and chefs were serving their own cakes, mm-hmm. so um, they were dealing with the precarious ceramics themselves and then handing it out. And it just worked and people were trying like five different cakes. It just was so much cake because I was like looking at the crowd being like, whoa. <laughs> there was a lot of everyone. people there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think it, it went really far. And yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that idea of space because, in fact, if you look at like, you know, some of those beautiful restaurants like Noma and you look at some of the photos of the food that they present, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's clearly an artwork. And, and then I suppose my question is, you know, is it the space that it's presented in? Is that, is that what, where things are different? Because, you know, food like that is presented in a restaurant to individuals who get to eat it and there's obviously a hefty price tag. Mm-hmm for that versus what you're saying, which is that food in a gallery is something something new and something a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. And I think that being in the gallery could be a barrier in a way that could, in the way that like a price tag might be in that um, they're not for everyone. So, oh, they're meant to be for everyone. But I think <laughs> my experience, sometimes they're not. But yeah, I think... It's just it's just this thing that people can connect to, and it and uh, I've been to some of those sorts of restaurants. Luckily, you end up paying a lot of money, don't <laughs> you? <laughs> and it is an art form, and you do eat with your eyes, and and you smell it, and you look at it, and and um, those things are very very considered in those environments as well. And the artists definitely considered those things last yeah. night. I think as well, yeah. What was interesting about some of the art was the way in some of them you couldn't tell what was the art and what was the food. Mm-hmm. Particularly talking about now, I, I've I've only sort of got a few notes, but the Badrigar one. Yes. With um, I've just got the. You remember who that was? Yeah, it was Gabe. Um, and Gabe and jo- uh, Julie. Julie Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. yeah, that was so beautiful because it looked like the cake had been decorated with the artwork. In mind, and there was there was just such a, a blurred line between what is cake and and what is art for that one. Yeah, yeah, and it was definitely part of the consideration. I think Julie um, working with Gabe, I think Julie definitely led that design, and then and then Gabe had the cooking background. He established Bean Tree Cafe. The cake was delicious. That yeah, I <laughs> know oh that was the one in um, Tommy Carew's cake, and and yeah, we yeah. could go on. There yeah, was yeah. a whole lot of cakes <laughs> I wanted to eat, but I had to go. Did artists and cooks have to put proposals in and which were selected? Emma spoke about this, one of the co-directors of Watch This Space last night. It was quite a responsive show. Like I came to Watch This Space and then we organised it and turned it around quite quickly. So there was an EOI but it was only open for a few weeks. Yeah, Um, I I didn't even know about it when I heard it. I was like, oh, I want to do this. And then I I realised it was well and truly um, done and dusted by then. So... I mean, in in future, if there's any more iterations of this project, it would be better to have a longer call out. But just to get uh, allow the artists enough time to make work before August, when the call out was in May, I think. Yeah, we had to sort of turn it around quite fast. But we did have enough artist fees from Watch This Space for ten pairs, ten groups applied, well nine pairs applied and two individuals. So two people got matched up together: one baker and one artist, Alan and Carmen. 
so they didn't apply as a pair, but everybody else applied as pairs. So you didn't have to knock anyone back. No, which was really beautiful, I think. Like, it just made it feel nice (laughs) that no one was rejected from getting to be a part of that. Yeah. And how far down the track were the proposals in terms of the planning? What information or sketching or images were provided with the proposals? They were truly all over the place. Some of them were so formed and considered and came out pretty much like the proposal was and then some of them, like my colleague Ness, it was so beautiful but I was um, messaging her being like, Ness, what's your work? <laughs> what are we installing tomorrow? <laughs> She was like, it's in the kiln. Hers was the most <laughs> ephemeral, I think. It had the sense of it's like floating in yeah, the air. It was yeah. so delicate and beautiful. Yeah. And, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Which is not atypical of her work as well. No, yeah, it was yeah. very true to her, her style. And then Merritt made these incredibly beautiful little chocolate balls and this caramel brittle that was like sweet and spicy and salty it, it was amazing and there was like this whole journey for like there's like a palate cleanser and then I didn't get to go on that journey I was too busy but <laughs> you know oh, Merit, really? yeah Merritt had considered like every element of the four or five elements yeah. that were on on the different plates and I heard someone describe that caramel brittle as life-changing oh wow so <laughs> yeah and were they all chefs or I noticed there was there were some chefs there but there were also some cooks there or some people who would consider themselves you know bakers or cooks. yeah so it was it was baking mostly yeah. it didn't have to be an actual cake but everyone did bake in the mm-hmm. end it could have been a you know a curry or something in the shape of a cake but yeah so I think most people are very passionate home chefs I don't I know Tommy has a background as a professional chef and then Gabe yeah who we mentioned before and then Diane works at Children's Ground as a chef and Donna, she works at um, Purple House as the chef. So there are a few professional chefs in there. Mm-hmm. But then I think everyone else is, is a dabbler. Is a home cook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I think is another inspira- inspiration for this project was that some of the best meals in this town that I've eaten have been in people's homes. Absolutely. This like is a town with some amazing I mean, your cooks. whole show, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I never have, you know, a shortage of things to talk about, can I just say, mm-hmm. or a shortage of people to come in and talk for an hour mm-hmm. about food. What are your thoughts on the performative nature of this work? Yeah, to it? I mean, we did have Glennie Ray play Happy Birthday on accordion for like 10 15 minutes while um everyone ate the cake but i f- to me that is the performance like everybody in a gallery space eating cake together mm. like that seems like a show to me and it was hilarious to like walk around and watch the artists like cutting into these works and i think i didn't get to see it but i've seen videos alex and dan put on surgical gloves and cut into their like per, they had their sculpture. Which was theirs? There was a sculptural bath. Oh, the bath with the man in the bath. The man, that was just the cake man. Pretty in the wacky. Bath. Yeah. So I couldn't work out whether the bath was the cake or the See, man. That was, was the another cake. one. Yeah. The man was the cake, and then the bath was the ceramic. And yeah, Alex and Dan put on gloves, surgical gloves, and had like <laughs> knives and were cutting, like operating on the cake and like serving it. What like was that. the cake? It was red. Inside, like I a red get velvet to cake. Eat it. Yeah, I think okay. so. With marzipan, was that marzipan yeah. on the outside? I think it was fondue. I had no idea the person would be like that. It was so funny. Yeah. But yeah, there was heaps of line blurring. Like 
Tommy and uh, Mick Rogers, they're like it was hard to know where the cake started. Yeah, I really had a look at that because it had a, like a Dr. Seuss-like quality to it. But yeah. I, I love the fact that all the cakes were like on, on angles and yeah. all over the place. It was and very they, beautiful. in their concept they had um, both used the same tools like in ceramics. Yes, I had a look at that. That was, yeah, because often I think that the tools mm. for cooking and then you go outside and look at the tools in your garage, sometimes they're not dissimilar. Or and especially in baking and ceramics. Yeah. Like Yes, I agree. People always in in pottery are stealing kitchen tools to make to make their pottery. Like even just like a banding wheel is like the cake yeah. wheel. Like. See, I love pastry, and I thought I'd be really good at ceramics, mm. but I I just I don't have a feel for ceramics at all. I don't I don't get the medium, but I do notice that the tools are very very similar. Yeah, yeah, they're they're extremely different to work with, but um, yeah, there's lots of similarities in a way. Um, even just you put them in the oven. And Pray to the kiln or <laughs> the god, the kiln god, <laughs> the kiln god that doesn't melt, or at least the trophy. <laughs> yeah, because you've done a few firings, like outside firings as well, haven't you? I've done one. Yeah, uh, we did a project last like year, a pit fire. Yeah, yeah, pit fire out at um, the date farm in at Nerida's place. There, yeah, that and it it worked. Like we had sculptures, but it didn't. It didn't come out quite as we'd hoped, but that was literally just digging a hole in the ground and mm. doing a pit firing for the first time. Is that where your ideas started to hatch? You know, you've got date farm, you've got a pit firing. I don't know. They're just all linked because <laughs> I love food. <laughs> what do you think about this idea at the moment? Like a lot of high-end restaurants have got really bespoke crockery mm. and it's so beautiful to get a beautiful meal on some bespoke crockery. Yeah, I think that they could be even more courageous, even just after last night and seeing how things could get served. Yeah. There's still tableware, you know? Yeah. Like where these aren't, these are sculptures, you know? That, yeah. Um, but I do love love going to a restaurant and getting a, a crazy bowl that's so beautiful yeah. with it, an incredible glaze and those sorts of things. And it just, yeah, pottery just, just has, is just, you know, meshed with food. It's its original origins, I guess, was to, like, carry food, serve, carry water, serve food, cook food, you know? Yeah. Um, how important is documentation in this process? Oh, this is just maybe my marketing brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I'm a photographer as well as, like, an arts admin person, so I just am always clocking these things. But I was just desperate to make sure it was documented because I knew how quickly it would would be over so I have taken photos I wasn't letting anyone in for about 10 minutes because I was rushing around taking photos so yeah I'll I'll be able to share those with watch this space and Mm -hmm. um, there's an Instagram for the plating project at plating underscore project I think (laughs) anyway so you can see what we're talking about whenever I get around to editing those photos Um, it's interesting if you think about food is not just visual but it's like flavours and textures mm-hmm. and mouthfeel and those types of things. How do you think those other elements of food have been incorporated into this this exhibition? Well, everything was that I ate was really delicious. So I think... So it, maybe through the eating yeah, process. Yeah, through the eating and yeah. like eating, eating with your eyes, eating, you know, anticipation, those sorts of things. Did anything taste totally mm. different than what you thought it was going to? I think I was surprised by merits, yeah. 
because I, I didn't know that it was going to taste so intense. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, everything else I, I had that I ate, yeah, I think I knew because I knew what was in it. I made these exhibition wall labels <laughs> which listed all the ingredients. Yeah, no, that was like a largely to be a bit funny but also for allergies and things like that. Yeah, that yeah. was great. I, I noticed Tommy and Mick that Tommy had put a lot of yuzu. You know, I wanted to taste all of them but that one when I read it I'm like, oh, I want to try that. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was so, so soft and so many like different levels of flavours. I think the, the yuzu just came across as this like beautiful citrus but it wasn't, it wasn't really sour or anything like that. Yeah. I love yuzu. I'm a sucker <laughs> for it. It's so good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm a sucker for Japanese food though, so <laughs> anything that, that you know, has those flavours, I'm, I'm sold on. I'm wondering if we could maybe talk about all, some of the individual artworks, mm-hmm. sort of go through the names of them and what they look like and do a description of them. Mm-hmm. But maybe before we do that, we might actually have a listen to to the interview I did with two of the artists yesterday and, yeah, and hear it Perfect. firsthand from them and it was so lovely seeing them actually install the artwork. It was um, So this is Sarah Mayorino and M. Frank and I don't know the name of their artwork. Do you know it? I think it was Fratelli and Hanukia. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, so, yeah. Given that it was Fratelli and, um, and a, a candelabra from Hanukia. Yes. yeah. yeah. So I'm here at the plating exhibition with M. Frank and Sarah Mayorino and we're um, having a chat about their amazing work as part of this exhibition. Maybe we should describe it first. They are sculptural pieces. They're fried donuts. They're called fritelle and the donuts are derived from uh, Grumento Nova, which is the small village that my nonna is from in Basilicata region of Italy. So they're fried donuts and covered in honey. And the ceramics part of it, Em? So the ceramic forms are coil-built vessels and they're sort of like tall vertical vessels with, like, they're quite textural and there's sort of two different shades of white uh, because I use two different clay bodies. And they're representative of a Hanukkiah, which is a, or also known as a menorah, and it's a Jewish candelabra. And how did you both come up with the concept? It kind of happened so naturally. We sort of, we started talking about wanting to collaborate together because we have on a few things and it's worked really well. And then as soon as we started talking, we both just had the same sort of ideas and we were just bouncing off each other. And I think we both kind of separately came to the idea that we, it would be great to share and like collaborate and talk about our, both of our cultural backgrounds in this work. And, and where is the birthday cake theme here? Well, so when we started talking about cakes and wanting that to intersect with our cultural traditions, we just went through all of the different kind of sweet treats that came from like our cultural traditions and we arrived at donuts because in Judaism we have a donut, a deep fried oily donut called sufganiyot and in in Italy where Sarah's family are from they have fratelle and so we were like great donuts, we both cultures enjoy these deep fried donuts and then because Sufganiyat are eaten during Hanukkah and part of the brief of this project was to have birthday candles. Yeah, it just really seamlessly arrived at sort of having the ceramic forms derived from a candelabra that were connected to the donuts. So yeah, it was kind of this like perfect storm <laughs> conceptually. Like we should describe it. It's kind of like it's these, how would you describe it, these sculptural forms and some of them are holding the fritelli. 
Mm-hmm. And some of them are actually holding the candles. Mm. It's so beautiful. I think there's maybe 13 vessels, or four, uh, we could count them. There's nine, yeah, there's very intentionally nine candle holders to represent the nine arms of the Hanukia. And then there's maybe about, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven vessels holding donuts. So, yeah, it's kind of a spread out work. Is that symbolic, the nine and the seven? The seven, not so much, but the nine is symbolic of, yeah, the Hanukkah is representative of this miracle of light that happened thousands of years ago in a temple where the Jews were being persecuted and their temple was ruined and there wasn't enough oil to keep the sacred candelabra, the menorah, burning. But this miracle happened where, yeah, they only had enough oil for one day, but it lasted for eight days. And so... The Hanukkah is a representative. It has eight candles to represent the eight days and then one candle called the shamash, which you use to light the other candles. Yeah. Sarah, can we just go through the, the recipe quickly for the... It's fritelli or fritelle? Fritelle. Fritelle, yeah. Yeah, sure. So the recipe for the fritelle is... It's a very basic recipe and sort of the difficulty in it more so comes from the way that it's cooked and the the way that the dough is was left to rise. So it's plain flour, yeast, boiled potatoes, and warm water, and a, like a pinch of salt. So it's a really basic, simple recipe. It's mixed really well, and then it's sort of left to rise for about half an hour. And then it's deep fried, so lots of oil in like a neutral-based oil, neutral-flavoured oil. Um, like I used vegetable oil, but I've also used sunflower oil when I've made it before. And they're fried for about three to five minutes on each side and then covered in honey they're sort of the texture and consistency is based on the temperature of the oil the the amount of time that you leave it to rise all of those things it's a very timing based recipe yeah I noticed that you had a little bit of a test kitchen happening there is that what you were exploring with your test kitchen I have done so many test batches of these donuts yes Yeah, I, I have done like longer amounts of times for the dough to rise, different amounts of yeast, different um, temperatures for the oil. And what about the shapes? Do you have control over the shapes or were you thinking about how the shapes might work with the actual artworks? Yeah, Em and I talked about the shapes a lot before because it is traditional for them to be you know, not, um, not perfect circles like the traditional kind of donut is thought of we decided to do what is traditional in terms of Italian donuts, which is to have long kind of sculptural sort of shapes, which actually fitted in really well with our artwork and with M's ceramics. So I would just like dip the spoon in hot oil first and then put the spoon in the batter so that it wouldn't get stuck and then stretch it with another spoon and then drop it in so that they're like long forms. So a bit of creativity here. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> and lots of different shapes. <laughs> is the potato like boiled and then mashed cold or wh- wh- how's the potato incorporated? Because I thought they were very much like lukmata, which is, um, you know, Greek deep fried donuts. But as soon as you said potato, I was like, oh, that's, that, that's, a, that's a departure from mm. my understanding of most deep fried donuts. Yeah, it's, it's quite unusual, I think. The donuts are boiled whole and then peeled and then I put them in cold. I did them the night before and then mashed them in the morning and then added the flour to them and then I used a bar mix to sort of make sure that it was all smooth and that the potato really was smooth in the mixture so that there wouldn't be you know clumps of potato 
But I think that that's the binding agent because otherwise, you know, unlike a lot of donuts, like there's actually, there's no eggs, no milk, no dairy. So they are vegan apart from the honey element of it, which I guess is quite unusual for donuts. Mm. And, and how many of these donuts have you both eaten? I've been a bit restrained just because I haven't had the opportunity. So I think I've only, I think Sarah delivered me four the other day and I ate three of them and gave one to my housemate. And then I've had a few this morning. <laughs> I haven't had the access that Sarah's had. <laughs> How about you, Sarah? Is this going to be the last time you make them or eat them? Have you just enjoyed every moment of this? Yeah, I'm like on the verge of maybe being over them. <laughs> but I, I mean, I couldn't ever be over them. But yeah, I was like testing the dough at like 7am this morning and, you know, like, having something straight out of a deep fryer as soon as you get up it's pretty full on (laughs) i was definitely sneakily eating some while we were installing i couldn't help it you you almost need to have an element of the aroma here of the deep fried dough just to really um finish off the exhibition how are people going to eat this because you can eat all of these can't you yeah so we have i think everyone here will have serving instruments to be able to pick up and eat one of these so there's like one each and I think we also have some extras as well that people can have on the night. The thing I'd like, just like to add is that like the texture of the frittelle and the ceramic artworks is kind of similar like they really mm. work really well with each other was that something you guys worked on? No I think that's a happy accident actually. We talked about the texture of the ceramics and what we both liked and wanted to achieve and we wanted something textural. So I've used coil building and pinching techniques, which means you can see my fingerprints in the work. But I don't know if you knew the fratello would have a sort of similar texture, but for me it's just like a happy accident. Yeah, no, for me too. I didn't realise that they would have a similar texture. I think we both wanted them to be sort of like sculptural and all unique in each individual piece. But I don't think we realised that it, they would be so complementary in that way, which is great. <laughs> yeah. um, now, what are you going to do when um, people come and eat this exhibition or this art tonight? Yeah, because the art work is temporary. What happens after it all disappears? I don't really know. <laughs> I guess with, with our work, you're left with candle holders that are still functional. And actually, the vessels holding the donuts. I guess they're vases when you take all of the donuts out of them. So it's sort of quite a functional and sculptural work. Yeah, so we're going to have them for sale if people want to buy the work afterwards, they can. But yeah, hopefully it'll just be a mess of honey and donut crumbs (laughs) and ceramics left. I had a vision of Sarah having to make enough frittelle for the next next week when the exhibition's on. Have Have you had to do that? No, luckily it was <laughs> it was quite a feat being able to make this many this morning. <laughs> uh, no worries. Well, thank you both, Sarah and Emma. Um, good luck with the exhibition. Thanks. 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 Uh, and I should say that exhibition is not on for a week. In fact, um, Beck, can you tell us how long that exhibition was on for? The exhibition last night, yes. only last night. <laughs> it was a, a one night only affair, unfortunately for everyone listening today, because the cakes are gone. So there's there's, there's, there's nothing no, left. Nothing left. How did it look when you left last night? Oh, it was so funny. It was <laughs> it was like the lights were off and Sarah and Emma were like, "Oh, do you want?" us to clean up I'm like and I actually leave it I'm going to come back and get a photo of this because it's it's too good there was just sculptures with icing all over it and like crumbs of cake and paper plates and spoons on the ground and candles wax everywhere it was it was quite you know maybe it was something to be viewed
It didn't look sad <laughs> like their artworks without their their buddies, their food buddies. I think they just look so different, you know. They look, they're all just completely different pieces all of a sudden, yes. you know. Like they, they, there was quite a few that um, were sold as well, candle holders and stands. So people will have them and they'll have, yeah. a, have another life. But, yeah, the... Yeah, they just all of a sudden look so different, you know. Because <laughs> it is like that intersection, isn't it, between food and art that this mm-hmm. really plays around with. Yeah, and a lot of uh, the sculptors had really planned for their cakes. So, for example, um, Selena Bob and Donna Fraser's Honey Ant cake. Without the 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 Honey Ant was the sculpture, and it had a Maybe, cake. Do bum. you want to describe that one? Because that yeah. looked amazing. Actually, so we're going to talk about this one now too. I I reckon it was maybe 90 centimetres long all up, so pretty big. And, yeah, the body of the honey ant was ceramic and then there was a platter on the back where the big, like, it it would have been like 40 or 50 centimetres tall honey ant bum was the cake and then there was all these little ceramic honey ants around. So when the cake had been eaten, there was was no honey honey ant bum anymore. It was just the front of the ant and a beautiful platter underneath, which actually revealed a new design. Selena had thought about how after the cake would be eaten that you'd see the platter. So then, like, you couldn't see the platter at the start of the night, but then at the end of the night you could see this intricate dot painting and honey ants all drawn on the platter on the bottom. So it was beautiful. We've actually got some of the descriptions from um, the artists, so we might actually read them out rather than you or I try and paraphrase them. Okay. So this was by Donna Fraser and Selena Bob, Jala Honey Ants. So the ingredients were golden syrup and roasted wattle seeds with custard layers. Golden syrup and wattle seed cake with custard layers. Eggs, self-raising flour, butter, brown sugar, granulated sugar, milk, golden syrup, custard powder. Cornflour, vanilla, vanilla essence, wattle seeds. And the earthenware was glaze and underglaze. And I like the way that word glaze can you know, crop up in either cooking or in uh, ceramic. Selena was talking to me when she was installing the ceramic part and about how honey ants taste like golden syrup. Oh. So um, Donna had incorporated a bunch of golden syrup into her cake so that it would emulate that honey ant. Yeah. Yeah. What was the texture like? Um, it was spongy mm-hmm. and so many layers. Yeah, it wow. was such a big cake. I'm like, there's like 100 Yeah, cakes. I would love to have seen that one. Like, what, did they cut it in half and they then... They cut like straight into the, oh, into wow. the bum. Yeah. And, and then all the layers were revealed and then there was all the custard oh. in between. And these are all posted on the Instagram account? Yeah, there's this on the Instagram account and then Watch This Space had a photographer there and I took some photos but that was before they were cut in so lots of documentation so i'm going to read this out selena and don and donna both delight in bush tucker in their collaboration selena draws on her treasured memories of hunting jala from her earliest childhood years gaining full knowledge about bush tucker from her parents she learned that the yellow flowers signaled the season for honey ants she has seen over many different trips hunting the variety of colors and tastes you can find in different places Donna responds to this theme by drawing on what she has learned from her family in cooking. Coming from a long line of cooks with her grandmother cooking on the railways in central Queensland, her mum cooking in shearing sheds and her dad a stockman's cook. Donna learned how to cook from the land. In this recipe, flavours of golden syrup and roasted wattle seed speak of her Bidra culture and story. Yeah, it's so nice, isn't it? Very beautiful. It was on a really low plinth right near the entrance so it was sort of you came in and there was this 
huge honey ant greeting you. So it was quite <laughs> so like... lovely. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to try and talk about them all, but I have to say we might run out of time. Mm -hmm. The other one I really, we both talked about, which was so simple, was the birthday waterhole work. Do you want to maybe describe that? So that work was by Martina Caperso, Leonie Braley and Tam Hansen. So that was birthday waterhole, which we all and Bantua probably know of, to celebrate Watch This Space. A great place to go for a birthday. Yeah, and it was a real theme of community and celebration in that one and how going out on country is really special and connects us all together when we're out camping together and things like that and yeah like compared to some of the ones around it it wasn't as loud but it was so beautiful and um it was like a range a sculpture of a range and then the cake was um the waterhole and then there was like a little puppy dog and a little fire and actually when the we sang happy birthday, the, a flame came through the fireplace and lit up the sculpture and then the range was like, had had a shadow on the oh, back wow. wall and it just became grand. Like yeah. It came from maybe one of the more understated works to being like, you know, really in its, ele- yeah. in its element when it was lit up. So they'd really considered that and it was beautiful. Yeah. And the cake was gone by the time I made my way over there. So I think that was the only vegan one as well. So for vegan... People, they must have rushed, oh, rushed they, there yeah, and got it. They must have been <laughs> sort of waiting. The thing I liked about that was th- the simplicity of it, but like the ranges were just like flat ochre mm. and then the waterhole was just the, the blueberry cheesecake colour that was a light colour, like mm. as the water is here. Yeah. So I had had a chat to Martina, who's a good friend of mine, in the days leading up to the install and they had a – had that was actually the second one they'd made and then – they were talking about glazing it and we sort of discussed that let's not glaze it. Like, I think the un, unglazed clay was really more reminiscent of, of the place here, like being that beautiful, that orangey, terracotta-y colour. Yeah, and I think it looks really good. Actually, can I get you to read out those ingredients for that one? So it's vegan blueberry cheesecake, almond, cashews, salt, dates, coconut oil, blueberries, coconut cream, lemon juice, vanilla extract, maple syrup cacao butter and it's vegan and it contains nuts and then the um, ceramic itself was stoneware and and glaze so there was a bit of glaze underneath the cake because that just makes it food safe do you want to read the further description birthday waterhole takes watch this space camping to celebrate the ari's 30th birthday this work is also a celebration of the beautiful aranda country that we are all privileged to live and celebrate on Waterholes are both a source of relief from the Mbantua heat, a place to connect with friends and to be in nature. Martina, Leone and Tam each worked on both ceramic and cake elements of birthday waterhole. So they were the group of three. Should we talk about aphrodisia? Yes, uh, Steph and Gretel. So Steph, Burgess and Gretel Bull made this very extravagant, bloody (laughs) pavlova inspired by Salvador Dali's cookbook, which is called Les Diners... Degala, probably pronouncing that wrong. Which I Gretel alerted me to this cookbook. I hadn't oh, I really um, heard of it before. Uh, okay, I'm going to go and have a look at that cookbook as soon as the show's yeah, over. It's I think. awesome. Yeah, okay. It's very plating. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's a it's a visual plating cookbook. Yeah, they're they're paintings and drawings, but mm-hmm. um, oh, it's Salvador Dali's cookbook. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Everyone should go have a look at it. Yeah. It's extravagant. Yeah. Um, and so was the work. So let's describe it. Yeah. Do you so, want to have a go? Sure. I mean, from memory. 
I love this one because I saw a child sticking her finger into the the pavlova and eating it and I was like, oh, my God, this is wrong on so many levels, you know, like it's an artwork you don't touch. (laughs) It's food, you know, it's like like a wedding cake when your niece starts to eat the wedding cake before the wedding's over and then um, I think it was Gretel's daughter. She's like, it's okay, it's okay. (laughs) I wasn't going to growl but I was a little bit like, oh, my gosh, what's happening here? But it was layers of pavlova. Yeah, yeah. Then with some fresh cream on top. Yes. I think, and then there was this bloody mess on the top of maybe a, of a red jelly. I'm not quite sure what the jelly was made of, but I should have a um, raspberries and red food dye. Mm-hmm. So I think the ingredients were quite simple, but the execution was beautiful. And then there was all these lovely rose petals around the outside. So it did have a very bloody visceral feel to it, I think. Yeah, and the um, sculpture that Gretel made was quite skeletal and it was sort of um, twisted and contorted and it was like a woman's body and sort of buried in the base of the sculpture and then it was a bit like a spider web. Gretel makes these insanely like elaborate and you're sort of like, how is that holding up sort of works. I'm, whenever I um, work with her oh. at CDU sometimes and I walk in and see what she's making. I'm like, yeah, it was like, was it like a cake plate or a cake holder underneath it? Is that where the artwork was? Um, so, no, the, the like, it sort of came, came up really skinny and then went up out, oh, okay. out into a platter and then the pavlova was, was on, top on the top. Okay. And then Gretel had like cast a candle as well. Okay. That like, it looked like that body that was on top. <laughs> No, are you right? I did see it now. It was the body on top as well. Yeah. That was out of wax. That was a candle. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, Stefa in the EOI, her her grandma had had made pavlova every year for Christmas and it's been a tradition that's been passed down to her. A pink pavlova? I think maybe the first time it's been pink. (laughs) But she has this story of her passing on the recipe that ended up being passed on to Nigella Lawson. Oh, wow. So, you know, a famous pavlova recipe. What a claim to fame. Yeah. (laughs) And it was really good. I think we're up to the last one, which is Carmen Juarez and Alan Sleeman Taylor's Torre de Dolor. I know, a very sacrificial. Yes, it looked very Christian yes. to me, but maybe a, a um, inversion of Christianity maybe. maybe. Let's describe it. Yeah. So it was this plate with – oh, maybe we should read out the description. I think oh, they that's do a, a good, good job. Thing. A well, let's good just – okay. So Mama's profiteroles with a little extra something. I don't know what that means. Butter, plain flour, eggs, dark chocolate, coffee, sugar, vanilla essence, cream, vinegar, salt, mid-fire glaze – Glaze Solder. What is dark within me, illuminated by Paradise Lost? Do you want to read the rest? Tora de Dolor is a culinary descent into damnation. This work is the final vestige of the artist's Catholic guilt brought to life through the ceramics and... Anyway. Oh, shoe. Shoe. shoe there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Above an empty plate, the crocum bush hangs suspended by spikes that gruesomely pierce through the body of the profiteroles, each undergoing their own symbolic stations of the cross. Gloomy oh, okay. spectacle of misery and lit by the flames of darkness, pleasure abounds in salacious yes. delight of the damned, kinky, devilish and most sacrilegious of all, savoury. Torre de Dolor takes viewers on a harrowing pilgrimage to hell and back, 
Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and <laughs> I shall be healed. That makes me laugh. But um, I don't think it was savoury, was it? It looked very sweet to me. I didn't get to eat it. Yeah. Well. I ate about half of them, but, oh. you know, that I felt pretty, pretty, you know, chuffed that I got to try that many. But, yeah, it was drama, you know. <laughs> I loved it. It was very dramatic. Yeah. yeah. And then we turned on the swampy because the cakes were getting too warm and it, um, all the strings of um, caramel that Carmen had put on and got blown away. <laughs> yeah, so she actually did the um, the spun toffee there? Yeah, 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 the toffee. Oh, so wow. that was all spun on, which I think got destroyed by the swampy because it was installed right underneath it. Of course, because it needs to be dry. And the fact this is a beautiful climate for that unless there's a swampy. Yeah, but then other cakes were sort of really... Because it was an unseasonally hot day. Yeah, I know. It's but, very um, strange. Yes. And then there was these two goblets full of uh, like a red cream. Oh, was it a cream? Was that, it that um, was originally going to get piped in, but then I think they were the profiteroles were dipped in. Okay. Yeah. And then there was a cup with a cross on it, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like a cross um, candle. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was so impressive. What an amazing experience yeah. and what an amazing contribution from all those artists and chefs and cooks. I was literally floored. I was like, how am I going to talk about these works? <laughs> I'm just blown away. So, yeah, it was more than I could have ever hoped for. Yeah, congratulations, Beck. It really was a fantastic exhibition. Do you think it will happen again? I mean, I sort of initially when I asked Watch This Space if they were interested in having this show, I thought of it being very different, like not cake. So, you know, maybe you'll have a life as a canapé or a soup-themed mm -hmm. um, plating exhibition one day. But, yeah, no, definitely I think we'll do more things um, around this. Yeah. What uh, would you have done if you were able to do both curate and be one of the artists? Oh, God, I don't know. I'm so intimidated by all the cakes now. <laughs> I think it's inspiring. I'm not. I'm like, oh, I want to put in next time. I'm already thinking. Oh, I'll base it on Canelli's or things like that. I think I wouldn't have been able to do it on my own. Like I think the beauty of the works is that they were such a collaboration yeah. between two people or three. Or three people. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's where these crazy ideas came from. Okay. Which is all about intersection again, yeah, which a lot of keep saying about like food and art and then people coming together and having these areas of creativity or of inspiration. Absolutely. And so great for the, the, the cooks as well to be able to be exhibited. Yeah, know, I think. Absolutely. Um, they um, are such creative people and now they get they got to be in a gallery. Such so a creative great. community. <laughs> yeah. Is there going to be a cookbook? Yes. Yeah, so I am had a past life as a graphic designer, one of my other things good, I've done. Good to know it. I'm noting that. <laughs> no, no, don't give me work. I don't like it. <laughs> um, but it is handy. Yeah, it's going to make a, a book which is sort of an exhibition catalogue slash recipe book with some of these cake recipes that we've talked about today and then image documentation of the show and the work. So, yeah, yeah it would be a nice... a wonderful idea. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. would be kind of interesting as well to see the the artworks, the ceramic artworks written up as a recipe with ingredients and yeah, method yeah, as well. Exactly. That could be lots of fun. Yeah, and I think it, it's just a really nice way for it to not be so, you know, they were devoured so quickly. They're so, so temporary, these works. So it was, it's a nice way for them to have a, another life. Yeah, but that's their joy, isn't it? The fact that they are so so temporary. Like it's like temporal yeah. art, isn't it? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like you probably, you know, if if um, they'd been there for a week, you might not have had such a big crowd, you know. It's yeah, like the one-off chance the to see everything. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> I was so excited. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Beck, for coming in and um, having telling me. me about telling us all about the uh, plating exhibition. I do hope it happens again. Yeah, it will. I'll make sure of it. It was too much fun. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget to tune in next Saturday when Eleanor Hogan will be doing a book chat and I'll be here again in a fortnight as well. You, of course, have been listening to Kitchen Radio. My name is Rita Catoni. We're going out tonight with a, um, you know, a homage to candles, I thought, given all the candles that were part of this wonderful show, which is Fire Wooden Candles by Paul Kelly. <laughs> <laughs>